Hello and welcome into the What's Up Peoria podcast. My name is Nathaniel Washburn and I am your host coming to you from the Amplify studio here at our main library in beautiful downtown Peoria. I am back with another episode full of information for you for upcoming events and things happening around Peoria. And as always, I am joined in studio by a very special guest and today's a bonus because I actually have two special guests in studio. I am really excited today. Uh, I am joined by our brand new city manager, Mr. Henry Darwin is here and he's going to talk about um, his vision for Peoria as the new city manager and we're going to pull the curtain back a little bit and he's going to share with us his journey and how he ended up here. So really excited about this. Henry, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks, Nathaniel. It's great to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And my trusty co-host, uh, you know, sporadic co-host here and there, but she is uh, awesome. Our wonderful director of the Arts, Culture, and Library Services Department, Mary Lou Stevens, back in studio. Mary Lou, how are you? Thanks, Nathaniel. I like sporadic co-host as my new title. It's, you know, it's I very was, nice. I'm trying to find that word. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, but you, when you come in, you bring such a good energy well, with thanks. you. So I, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, and I'm really excited to get into the interview portion. But of course, before we do that, have to talk about the upcoming events that are happening in Peoria. There is a lot going on. Um, actually, Mary Lou's going to help me with a few of these too, but I want to start with our library con, which is happening tomorrow, uh, Saturday, the 22nd. And that goes from 10 to two right here at the Peoria main library. If you are into Comic-Con, all things comics, cosplay, any of that gaming, book crafts, nerds, book nerds, Love right? The if, book you, nerds. <laughs> if you're into <laughs> any of that, this is where you want to be on Saturday because we are going to be celebrating all of that. There's going to be a costume contest for children's, teens, and adults. There's going to be tabletop gaming, crafting, uh, cosplay. Even if you don't want to enter the contest, come in your, your costume. We want to see it. Um, it's just going to be a, a really great time. So that goes from 10 to 2, again, right here at the Peoria Main Library in downtown Peoria. So make sure you, you come on out for that. Also, April has been the month for park fests, right, Mary Lou? Yes, it has. Three uh, of them three, this month. Which yes. is unbelievable and the perfect month because the weather has been phenomenal, right? Park yes. fest, a great time. Um, and so we do have another one coming up this weekend, followed by the the, the following weekend is the last one for the month, right? Yeah, so we have the last two for the season. Okay, thank yep. you. Wow. So Sunny Slope Park on the 22nd and Sunset Park on the 29th. And if you, uh, if you haven't heard of a park fest before, it's just a great chance to come out and meet um, the, the local representative for your district. Uh, you get to meet city personnel, libraries always out there. We have tons of other divisions and departments that, in, that join us. Um, anything else on park fest that people should know? Well, lots of great giveaways. Free food. Should I say it again? Free food. And the food is fantastic. So It, it is. And I heard uh, last weekend's was really good. They had really the, the taco good. truck, mm -hmm. I think, right? Yep. So again, Park Fest is just a great chance to come out and meet uh, people from the city. And there's also city services that you can you can learn about. So make sure you get out to those Park Fests. You can get more information on the special events website uh, in the PeoriaAZ.gov. Uh, also coming up, Global Sounds. This has been a huge hit over at the uh, Performing Arts Center. Tell us a little bit about Global Sounds, Mary Lou. So Global Sound is, is our opportunity January through June, once a month, to feature some new, interesting, and exciting uh, programming. And it's free. 
That's it's awesome. free. And so we just had Kawambe um, African Drumming, which was phenomenal. And the next one's going to be Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra, which will be May 10th. And I'm personally looking forward to that one because they do a great show. Very cool. And those are really, those are really fun. The, 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 there's a buzz about those going yeah. on. So And seating is limited. So we do ask, even though it's free, that you sign up ahead of time and reserve your tickets. Absolutely. All right. Very cool. Make sure you get out to Global Sounds. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, theater camps. Also, we have two wonderful theaters here in Peoria. We have Theater Works that operates out of our Performing Arts Center. And then we have Arizona Broadway Theater that uh, is in the P83 area. And they both do summer camps. So if you have kids that are interested in either at the entry level the, the the you know they've never been in a show before or if they're seasoned veterans and they've been in a lot of shows there is something for everybody at these summer camps so make sure you check out the websites for both theater works and for abt because there is some really good summer camps that happen um i can tell you i recommend these for kids it's great to get them out of you know in the summer it gets them out of the heat it's something fun and you know what it gets them out of their shell a little bit they get to have a little fun so uh check out those two websites for theater camp information because those are going to be filling up very very quickly uh the last thing is a little bit far off but we got to remember to remind you all save the date the fourth of july event is coming very very soon and it, it you know how fast time flies right it goes by fast so we're just doing a quick save the date i don't mean to brag but <laughs> i will because the all-american festival in peoria is the best fourth of july celebration in the state i'm gonna say it i'm going on record all-american festival july 4th peoria sports complex be there it, it's hard to argue that it is a great time for everybody um so we're just putting that out there into the universe so that you remember save that date because you don't want to miss out on the fourth of july celebration always a good time out there so we are going to shift gears and go into the interview portion of the uh, podcast here and as i said we have henry darwin here who is the new city manager for the city of peoria he's been on for about four four months now five months oh it feels like that but it's only been about <laughs> <laughs> is it okay <laughs> my fault i apologize for that but no uh, a couple months you've been here and uh, settled in nicely you've already uh, we saw your first video to to uh well your a video to the to all the staff came out uh, a day ago or two days ago and you look really comfortable looks like you're settling in really really well so um can you tell our audience a little bit about your journey how did you end up in peoria and and where did you where'd you come from to get here sure uh thank you nathaniel uh, it's great to be here uh, and it's great to, to share some thoughts with your listeners um, and to have an opportunity to kind of share my vision, a little bit about my background. So that's where I'll start. So um, uh, professionally, I'm a, I'm a lifelong uh, public servant. Um, I've tried uh, the private sector a couple of times in my life, and every time I've been drawn back to public service. Um, I've been in state government for most of my career, spent a little time uh, in the federal government, uh, and and I, I've since, of course, found myself here uh, in in the city of Peoria, um, uh, helping run this this beautiful city. Uh, but more specifically, uh, I've been my, I'm mostly known for and spent most of my time as an environmental uh, protection uh, professional. Uh, spent about 20 years uh, wow. working for the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality. Started off in that agency as a staff level enforcement officer, enforced water quality standards at the beginning oh. of my career. Uh, and then over the course of about 20 years, I made my way up to ultimately being the director. Um, I was the director for ADEQ, as it's called, uh, for five years. 
Uh, I was the only director to have worked in every major program in the agency. Wow. Uh, and so I'm very proud of um, uh, that part of my career. And uh, when I was the director of Arizona DEQ, uh, I had, you know, inherited the agency at the height of the recession. Oh, uh, okay. My agency had, had, had shrunk in size and, uh, because the legislature asked us to shrink in size. Um, they're asking all agencies to do their part in mm -hmm. getting us through, getting the state through the recession. Uh, and it was there that I, I developed a passion for operations. I developed an, a passion for, you know, achieving as much as an agency government can uh, with as little resources as possible. <laughs> uh, it's not something that we, we, we set out to do, but out of necessity, at times we find ourselves as leaders, you know, doing our best with an unfortunate situation. Sure. Uh, and so that's basically what I did is uh, try to uh, create an, a situation where uh, my agency's a very important mission could be carried out under some pretty dire economic circumstances. And um, and I, I felt we were very successful at doing that. And in fact, uh, the newly elected governor, Governor Ducey, uh, saw mm -hmm. what I was uh, doing at, at ADEQ uh, and uh, asked if, if I'd be willing to do the same thing for the entire state. Wow. Uh, and so I became the state of Arizona's first chief operating officer. Uh, it was something that Governor Ducey created. Uh, he comes from he came from the private sector. He was a business owner, and um, a lot of you probably um, have eaten at uh, Cold Stone Creamery. Love Cold Stone, <laughs> yeah. and that's where that, that's where that's where he, um, you know, developed his business acumen and, and uh, saw that I was in a lot of ways running my agency like a business, uh, and that was his goal for all of state government when he was elected. Yeah. So he yeah, he created true. a chief operating officer position and asked me to do that. Uh, for the state of Arizona. So for two years, I was responsible for uh, all 35 agencies, 35,000 employees. Uh, I developed a system of management uh, that was based upon private sector principles. Uh, and we were able to achieve some pretty amazing results. Um, now just a way, as a way of example, um, some of you may remember that uh, there was a, a pretty big controversy when uh, the governor was elected related to our Department of Child Safety. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it was in the newspaper just about every week uh, for very good reason. Um, uh, at one point in time, uh, the agency was, had experienced 16,000 uninvestigated allegations of child abuse. Wow. Uh, so uh, hiring the right people, instituting some private sector techniques, uh, we were able to reduce that, that backlog of uninvestigated uh, allegations to a reasonable amount. We reduced caseloads for um, uh, uh, children, um, uh, for for the caseworkers that were dealing with these these poor, unfortunate children. Um, but that's just one example of the many things. Reduced permitting timeframes by 70, 80 percent. Uh, really um, used data uh, to drive uh, our operations, to drive our ability to serve our citizens, uh, to make Arizona a better place. Uh, and I did that for, for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, while I was at the governor's office, there was another election that occurred, and that was uh, <laughs> the, the presidential election. Uh, and I, I have a passion for environmental protection. I think my, my, my experience, my background uh, shows that. Um, being the director at DEQ for, for five years, worked there for 20. I heard what uh, President Trump was saying about the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, he was talking about eliminating the agency. He was talking about, you know, uh, reducing its impact on the country, and, and that worried me. Uh, so uh, I offered uh, to try to help 
uh, not to help him do what he was wanting to do, <laughs> but to, to help the agency um, uh, survive, basically survive sure. through his uh, presidency. Um, and uh, I was appointed as um, the number three at the agency to start, ultimately wow. became the number two at the agency, uh, and was really able to fulfill um, that the President Trump's uh, initiative or his expectations that the agency uh, have a smaller footprint, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I'm very familiar with uh, enduring, very um, uh, experienced in overcoming. So um, we were able to do a lot more with less resources. Seems uh, to be the theme, right, throughout your, your career is just come in and take what you got and, and make it better with what we have to offer, right? And, and, that's, and that actually is um, what I am you know, most passionate about uh, is uh, making government run better, make government work better, um, helping um, government organizations achieve its mission, achieve its ability to fulfill the, the needs and expectations of citizens and its customers. Uh, and yes, I did say customers. Um, sure. Government does have customers. Absolutely. Those that use the products and services that government creates. Um, um, so um, it's a mindset that I, that I will be bringing to, to Peoria as well. Love that. Uh, that we have taxpayer investors and we have customers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so we have to balance both of those needs, just like the private sector has to balance the <laughs> needs of their customers and their investors. Um, we'd all like our iPhones to cost a dollar uh, <laughs> as customers, but as investors in Apple, some of us are, right. not me, but some, some of us are, we want to make sure that there's a, there's a return on that investment. So sure. a lot of ways government follows that same path. Um, our taxpayers expect for us to fulfill our mission, whatever that mission may be, or, you know, safe children, safe roads, um, uh, smaller potholes, whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> the case may good. be. But we also have customers that, that use our services. They use our libraries, yep, for example, absolutely. Like, the li- like the library we're sitting in now. Mm-hmm. And we have customers that, that use our library services. Uh, we have customers that you, that want to get permits to build, you know, in addition to their house. Uh, we have, you know, we have businesses that want to start a business in Peoria. And so we do have customers, but we have to balance their needs against the expectations of the taxpayer investors, our, our citizens who want to make sure that you know, or mo- the money that they that they're paying in taxes are being used appropriately and efficiently, and that we're not wasting money uh, while we're fulfilling those needs of our customers and their needs, whatever those needs may be. Mm-hmm. We got to be good stewards of the money that we have for sure, and, and I stress that to my staff all the time. I, I really um, I love the background, and and I love what you were talking about. I think it's really interesting that um, you had mentioned Governor Ducey had created the the ops. Uh, position, which tells me he also sees a tremendous value in the operating part of any business. And I, I think you see the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and it was one of the reasons I was drawn uh, to, to to serving in his administration, being in his cabinet, Right, was really uh, because I do believe uh, that uh, the government can operate like a business. Um, there, are cert- there are clear differences between uh, between the private sector and the public sure, sector, sure. and the the biggest one is is how how do we evaluate profit? Um, you know, profit profit in the in That's the private. That's a really big one. Yeah, certainly. So we we do have a version of profit in the in the public sector. Mm-hmm. In the private sector, it's it's measured in dollars. That's that's simple. That's easy. Uh, in the 
public sector, it's it's our mission related outcomes. Right. Uh, it's you know if it's Department of Child Safety, it's the safety of our children. If mm-hmm. it's the Department of Public Safety, it's the safety of our public. If it's the Environmental Department, it's the it's clean air and clean water and clean land. So we do have we do have profit. We do have an expectations that our taxpayers have when they pay their taxes. That's their investment, and their return, their profit is our mission-related outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, just like the private sector wants to maximize profit, um, so should we in the government sector. We should want to maximize the benefits that we provide to our citizens and our taxpayer investors uh, by fulfilling the, the mission outcomes that they expect from us. I, well said, and I couldn't agree more. I think uh, w- what we do in the missions that we set for our departments and our divisions are so important because we are we are here to serve. We are here to serve the wonderful people that that live in this wonderful city and the people that walk through our doors every day. So I I think that's a great answer to to that question about operations and how we work. You've mentioned data driven a couple of times. Data, how important that is. Um, when it comes to your leadership style, do you, is that really how you, you move? Is it that data, you know, we are going to have some hard data to look at to make the best decisions moving forward. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and it's in large part because of the, the, what I was mentioning before about, about profit, mm-hmm. uh, and what, it, what does profit look like, uh, in the public sector? Right. Uh, whereas <laughs> in the private sector, it's, 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 it's all about profits and losses. So I'll P and L as they mm-hmm. say. Uh, but in the, public sector, we have to come up with a surrogate for profit. And we have to find a way of measuring our surrogate for profit. Well and, that's, and, that's well through da- and that's through data. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas we might, we might think we're doing a great job in the, in the, the public sector, we may think we're doing a great job for our citizens. We may think we're, you know, we, we have no problems. We, we're doing great. Um, unless we have data or evidence to support that conclusion, um, we may not be doing as well as we thought we, we were. So, I, I truly believe that we have to find a way of measuring, a way of evaluating our successes wherever we are, where, whether it's in our private lives, in our professional lives, whether it be in the private sector, the public sector, we have to find a way of evaluating whether or not we're getting better, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not fulfilling the, the needs and the expectations of those we serve. So uh, data is, is very important to me. Um, as a leader, I found it as the only way to evaluate whether or not I'm successful as a leader and whether or not the organization that I'm leading is being successful as well. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the CDPRA will be using data much more than we ever have to evaluate whether or not we're fulfilling the expectations and the needs of our citizens, our taxpayer investors, and our customers. And, and I love that because I do think data is one of those things that kind of cuts through, right? Narratives are great. And I talk to people all the time and there's wonderful stories. Uh, and there's, there's tragedy stories all throughout our city but to me data is one of those things that just kind of cuts through it is that it is that that tool that you can use to say this is the the right decision or this is the wrong decision and sounds like that's exactly what you're using it for yeah so you know i'm i I love analogies i I love making analogies everybody does right so it's a a way of taking a a complex idea and, Mm -hmm. and simplifying it so you know, I liken, you know, my, um, my passion for data to an Olympic athlete. Mm. Uh, an Olympic athlete may be striving to be the best that they can at whatever sport uh, that they're participating in. And the only way that they know whether they're getting better is through data. Mm-hmm. The only way they know whether or not they're going to beat their competition or whether they're going to, whether or not they're improving themselves is through the data. You know, if you're, if you're running track, for example, the only way you know whether or not you're getting better is where your, where your times are. Right. 
Uh, so if it weren't for that, you'd think, wow, that was a great run. I think <laughs> I did amazing. Well, but the data will tell you, the data will tell you whether or not you actually right. are getting better or not. And the same is true in, in our professional lives as well. And right. to that point, you know, when you're at the Olympic level, you're talking about milliseconds right. change, milliseconds. And so the difference between good and great could be a second and that's it what's usually is less than that. Right. right. And so that's what's exciting to me is that we are constantly looking for this continuous improvement. Like, wow, we just did the best event we've ever had. Or, and then it's like, okay, what can we do better next time? What do we change? Right. How do we evaluate? And looking at those metrics. It's, it's a great point, Mary Lou. And, and you, you think about some of the important things we do as a city. Uh, one of the things is public safety. You know, right. our response times, whether it be to a fire yes. or, you know, some other kind of tragic event, seconds matter. Milliseconds may matter. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. you know, one of the things that we are very cognizant of and that we'll continue to be even more cognizant of is is our response times. How long does it take for our police department to make it to an emergency? How, how, how long does it take for our fire department to make it to a medical emergency. So um, absolutely, we'll be paying close attention to them. Just like an Olympic athlete would be paying close attention to their times, we'll be paying a cl- close co- attention to our times. Uh, so in, in an effort to, to, to meet the needs of our citizens, but also to make sure that we're getting better, that the things that we're trying, just like an Olympic athlete might be trying the way that they position their feet, mm-hmm. position their bodies, we'll be doing the same thing, not, not that specific, <laughs> but we certainly will be doing the same things, experimenting with, you know, what kind of system Systems should we put in place? What kind of practic- practicing should we be doing in order to reduce those time frames as, as much as we possibly can? Yeah, and you got to evaluate the data. One of my favorite mm. movies is Moneyball. I um, love that movie. And the reason I love it is because it, it, it's Billy Bean taking an industry that uh-huh. was all about gut feel. It was all about you know the feeling of this player, and I think he's I think he's going to be great. He reduced and then it to he numbers. Reduced it to numbers mm-hmm. in a way that had never been done before, and really was chastised for it early on. Right? Yeah, but numbers. It, Numbers don't lie. No. <laughs> they generally don't lie. It, it's funny that you mentioned that, Nathaniel, because it, when when I was speaking to the, the mayor for the first time about the possibility of, of being the city manager for Peoria, I, I, I absolutely <laughs> used that analogy. It's I said, the "Great one." I said, "I'm the I, I I am in some circles considered the you the Billy the, Bean the yes! Billy Bean of government." Okay, I love this. But but then but then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not the Billy Bean. Maybe I'm the chubby guy. That was no, the, no, you're you're the one that's. Really to take the risk. That was really the one behind the scenes. <laughs> Joe I actually looked, I look more like him than I do with Brad Pitt. Joe, uh, so. Well, none of us, none of us look like Brad Pitt. I look like Billy Uncle Bean Fester, didn't look like so. Brad Pitt. So no, I, I'm Uncle Fester. So you are definitely Jonah Hill did not take the the, the risks that that B- Billy Bean. I don't know Jonah Hill's character in the movie, but he didn't take the risks that Billy Bean. I mean, Billy Bean laid it all on the line. And and when you are the the chief operating officer or a city manager, that's what you're doing. You are laying, you're saying, I believe in this so much that it is going to be the single driver in the decisions we make. That's, that's Billy Bean. Yeah. And, and, and in a lot of ways there, I mean, there, there are analogies to be drawn between sports sure. and city Absolutely. management and, you know, professional baseball management, football management, whatever the sport may be, um, private sector. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that what we measure matters, what we, what we measure gets done. You know, all of those, those catchphrases apply regardless of whether you're, you know, in, in a sport, whether you're in, 
um, you know, business or whether you're running a city. Yeah. Um, data, data matters. Now, of course, it's not the only thing that matters. Um, one of the, the probably the most important thing that matters in any of those um, scenarios is the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, one of the things that that has drawn me to um, uh, lean, and we haven't talked about lean yet, but uh, lean is something that I've been known to use as one of those private sector techniques that I use in the public sector. <clears throat> the reason I like lean is because it relies upon employees. Mm-hmm. The frontline staff, those who actually do the work, and listening to them and identifying those opportunities to improve, those opportunities to improve our performance, to improve the data that we spoke about. The ideas for making those improvements come from those who are actually doing the work. Right. Mm-hmm. If I can't sit in my office on the third floor of City Hall and decide that, you know, whatever the process is, that I have the best ideas for improving that process because I've never performed that process. Right. Um, I may have been a customer of that process, but I've never performed that process. But if I create an expectation as a city manager that we're going to improve something, if I just create that expectation and through data I measure whether or not we're, we're actually making improvement, the employees and the staff are actually performing those processes. They're the ones that come up with the ideas. They're the ones that are going to tell us, this is what I would suggest we do to improve that process. This is what I suggest we do. If you want to reduce that time frame, this is how right. we would do it. Yeah. Uh, and so that is something that has, as a lifelong public servant, someone who has been on the front lines, someone who has been at every level of management and government, it really is those who are performing the work that we should be listening to the most. Uh, and so that's something else I'll be bringing to the city of Peoria is is engaging with our employees, listening to our employees, um, promoting, you know, creating a, a system in which our employees feel empowered to make suggestions. I love that. Uh, that they will be and that they will be listened to, that we will create an expectation of our management structure, that they listen to, they solicit input and feedback from our employees and, and, and implement those things that make sense. And, and I, you know, again, I, you know, when you were going through your, your, your journey of your professional career, talked about working your way up, right. From, from the really starting at that entry level and working your way up. So it's not a surprise to me that you're saying that because I'm sure when you were working that front line and you were starting out, you wanted somebody to listen to, right. You, I want to be heard. So it sounds to me like that's fallen right in line with your journey. It has. And I think that that all of us at some point in our career have been that, that frontline mm-hmm. uh, worker, that person that's, you know, that's, that, that's, that's churning out the work that's actually, you know, making, making the work. And we at times sit and dream and say, someday, someday, if I am ever <laughs> the one that's making the decisions, if I'm ever the one that has an opportunity, I, I, I will listen Absolutely. to the frontline. I will listen to those good ideas. Absolutely. You got uh, the person that goes, if they just listen to me, we'd be have this done in five minutes. Exactly. It'd be done. exactly. But this also goes to the core of what we're telling our uh, schools is that we need creative problem solvers yeah. and we need people who are unafraid to look at something and say, you know what? I think I can do this differently, more efficiently, better. And that's what we're trying to instill in all of our employees. And vocalize it too, right? And also being able to to share that with, and and more than that, having the freedom and not the fear, right? Because some people don't want to share and you're opening that door, Uh which I love. Yeah. And and it's it's a great point. Um, But in government, it's actually um, more difficult to take risks. Uh, and there, the, the, you know, I've thought about this pretty deeply about why government is so risk adverse. 
Um, and I think a lot of it stems from what happens when we make a mistake in government. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you make a mistake in the private sector, the, 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 those who are aware of your mistake or those who are impacted by your mistake is pretty small. In government, if you make a mistake, your impact could be widely known. It could be wide. You could have a wide impact. So we have to be a fairly risk adverse. The culture of government is to be fairly risk adverse. So when I say the things I do about take and what Mary Lou was saying about taking risks and trying new things, typically in government, it's something that that, that isn't welcomed. It isn't. <laughs> it isn't encouraged because of what happens when we make a mistake uh, and. So that's part of my challenge as a city manager. It's been part of my challenge as a government leader for the last 10 years is to create an environment where, you know, those who are giving us our suggestions are, are feel safe about uh, taking a risk, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, taking on that new challenge, doing something differently and, and knowing that, that if there is a mistake, there's not going to be any blame. Right. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, mistakes in government mistakes uh, in our professional lives um, period, the vast majority of them, upwards of 90% of that comes from a process problem, mm. not a people problem. Yes. Mm. Uh, so we, yeah. we need to focus on our processes, mm. our broken processes. Yes. We don't have broken people. People don't come to government unless they have, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a penchant, a passion for public service. Right. So when they make a mistake, it's not because they're trying to harm somebody or trying to make somebody's life more difficult. It's probably because there's some kind of broken process process. So we got to focus on process. We got to minimize blame. We got to create an environment in which people feel as if they're not going to be blamed if they try something and it fails. Mm-hmm. Um, failure is an opportunity for us to learn, for us to know, hey, well, we're not going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't mean we shouldn't start. We shouldn't stop trying. We should always try to get better. Uh, and um, one of the things I'm, I'm going to try to do here at the city of Peoria is to create that environment in which, which employees feel that it's safe to take risks. Now, you know, not risks that would put people's lives sure. in jeopardy, of course, but but risks that don't have, you know, a, a terrible potential outcome or even a bad outcome, but we just want to try new things. Str- yeah. Strategic and calculated right. risks. Yes, yes, because exactly. you gotta, and and yeah. I think I, I can speak for a lot of people when I say it, uh, I appreciate that as, as an employee. I also appreciate it as somebody who lives in Peoria. I live mm-hmm. in, in, in North Peoria and I, and I appreciate that because I do think that's how we learn. And uh, and I agree with you that we need to cre- create that environment where people are feel uh, free and unafraid to share. Hey, I have this idea. What about this? And I, I really um, appreciate and thank you for for um, working to create that environment, both as an employee and as a, as a citizen of Peoria. So well, I think it's also interesting when you think about the term risk. There's usually a negative connotation right. with that word. Whereas if you use the word innovation or innovate, <laughs> it's a positive. And I think that what we're really trying to do is innovate and not fall into the trap of, well, this is the way we've always done it because there is some efficiency to creating processes that work. Mm-hmm. And maybe those processes worked in 1997 and maybe <laughs> they need to be updated. You know, So that's where I think we get into that, that groove of we're doing it the same way because it's efficient, but... Maybe we just yeah, need to reevaluate. Look at it differently, right? Innovation. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, in, in that same vein, another thing that we have to get much better at um, in government generally, um, and in city government specifically, is um, creating an environment in which we are we want to see the problems that exist within 
yes. within the city. We want Absolutely. to see those problems. We want to know about mm-hmm. those problems. We want to facilitate our customers and facilitate our citizens telling us about the problems they face, regardless of, of what that problem might be or regardless how the city might be able to help. Because those problems exist whether or not we know about them or not. And yeah. unless we know about them, we can't fix them. Uh, absolutely. We can't, can't fix, be af- <laughs> we can't be afraid. Can't fix what you don't know. Yep. Exactly. I, I totally love that. Um, yep. So last thing, I uh, last question I have for you is, um, you know, moving forward, um, vision. What You know, you've been here a couple of months now. You're, you're settling in. What What is your vision? Uh, you know, the council's vision. What do you see for the next, um, you know, year, two years? What's your vision for the future? Yeah, I, I, and I and I like how you asked the, the, the question, Nathaniel, because I think it's important for everyone to, me- to remember that in this form of government, this form of city government, that, that I execute on the vision of the mayor and council. So, um, and they have made it very clear over the past couple of months what the, this council and this mayor and council's vision is. And it really falls into three uh, big areas, um, most of which will not be, maybe all of which are not going to be a surprise to your, to your listeners. <laughs> but uh, the, the three areas are um, public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make sure that we're living in the safest city possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, economic development. Uh, we want, you know, one of the things that, that, that challenges the city of Peoria is that the vast majority of our citizens uh, go outside the city for the purposes of employment, mm-hmm. uh, for the purposes of recreation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, one of my goals uh, is to execute on the, the council's um, um, priority of trying to change that a bit. Mm-hmm. Trying to make it uh, so that um, we have more employment opportunities within the city, so people li- live in the city don't feel the need to travel outside the city to go to work. Um, the same is true for you know having great restaurants, having great you know shopping centers. Not that we don't have great ones already, but it's a matter of improving on those that we sure. have and to mm-hmm. expanding other, into other areas of opportunity where we could have you know, world-class restaurants. We can have world-class, we already have a world-class uh, sports facility with yes. the Mariners and Padres here. Uh, so um, we, wanna, we wanna make that an even better experience and have experiences like the one that was mentioned earlier about the 4th of July celebration. Right, yeah. <laughs> we wanna make sure that we have opportunities here in the city that people don't feel the need to, to leave the city in order to you know, work and play. We wanna, mm-hmm. we wanna do that. And then third, it's a challenge that's facing you know, the entire state and facing the Phoenix metropolitan area and its water. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the fortunate thing is that, you know, my predecessor, uh, previous mayors and council have done a great job of planning for our water future. Uh, and they've planned for, uh, you know, the situation where we might be facing a drought. We might be fa- facing shortages on the Colorado. And guess what? We are. So yeah. we, we so now our well time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're having to execute on some of those those previously laid plans. So mm-hmm. we're where we we're storing water underground. We have to put infrastructure in place to draw that water out of the ground. We have to think about how we might use reclaimed water, that water that is currently being used for turf irrigation. You mm-hmm. know, the city of Phoenix is is talking about a major investment into direct potable reuse. Um, you know, of course, we have to deal with the ick factor that people <laughs> don't like necessarily like the right. idea of of you know using as a potable water source um, the drinking water source you know uh, discharges from a wastewater treatment plant. Right. But that's Arizona's water future. 
Um, it's likely mm-hmm. Peoria's water future at some point. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're planning the infrastructure. We're building the infrastructure to, to, for the ability for us to move wastewater around the city, first for turf irrigation, because we have, we're currently using a lot of, a lot of drinking water for turf irrigation. Mm-hmm. We really should be using wastewater, reclaimed wastewater, treated yes. wastewater for as much as possible to replace that drinking water so we can preserve the, the water that we need for drinking at the same time, keeping these wonderful parks, you know, green. Mm-hmm. And although we will be, we will be reducing that footprint a bit over time to, yeah. to, to acknowledge the fact that we do live in a desert, but those are, <laughs> those are our three, our, our three major priorities. It's my job to do whatever I can using data right. uh, to meet those priorities, to make sure we're making progress in those priorities. And that's what I'll be working on for the, ne- the foreseeable future. Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people and I live in Peoria and you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would disagree with the vision of our, our new mayor and council in those three priorities. Cause public safety always number one, right? Always. And it will be, and it should be forever. Um, and of course, you know, when you look at economic development and what it can do for our community and then obviously water. So I, I commend those, uh, that, that vision. I love it. Uh, I know that you are incredibly busy, so I cannot thank you enough for coming today and just spending some time with us. I know how crazy your schedule is, so it means a lot to us. And I know it means a lot to the listeners and the people who, who, uh, listen to this podcast. And, and I appreciate, uh, everything you said and, and I'm, I'm wishing you the best luck and you know I know that I'm, I'm going to get you back on here sometime uh, I, I definitely am because I just really really appreciated what you said and I love that you pull back the curtain for people to see you know not only about yourself and, and where you've been but also about what you're trying to accomplish here and really how you're trying to accomplish it because I love the data driven results I think it, it does matter how you make those decisions and I appreciate personally that and I know there's a lot of people that do so thank you for sharing that I appreciate that Mary Lou thank you for coming on as always and, and being a part of this and, and I appreciate always having you in studio thank you Nathaniel always a pleasure all right well again thank you so much for joining me today I appreciate your time it's been my pleasure Nathaniel Mary Lou great time being here. Thanks a lot. Uh, and again, my thanks to the, the wonderful guests in studio. What a great conversation. So much information uh, that was shared today about where we're at as a city and where we're headed. And uh, I think we're headed in a fantastic direction. I think we have great leadership that is in place that's moving us forward. Uh, and I'm excited about the future. And I'm also excited about all the things going on in Peoria. We have tons of events coming up for you to be a part of. So as always, I encourage you to get out there, uh, meet your neighbors, go to these park fests, meet the city personnel that are out there. Um, Take advantage of all these wonderful things that Peoria is offering because they are great. They're fun. It's a chance for you to meet people and uh, enjoy a new experience. So as always, make sure you get out there, make sure you're being a part of the community. And until next time, this is What's Up Peoria.